and welcome to the Words of Encouragement podcast, a podcast of love, hope, inspiration, and encouragement using the Word of God for people from all walks of life. And of course, I'm your host, Arlena. Welcome everyone and thank you once again for joining me on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. I hope and pray that each and every one of you are in the best of health, best of strength, and most importantly, in the best of spirits. We have a lot that is going on out there. So I truly do hope and pray that each and every one of you who have taken the time out to listen to this episode, I truly do hope and pray that each and every single one of you are indeed in the best of health, best of strength, and most importantly, in the best of spirits. Because there's a lot going on with a lot of us, especially within the body of Christ. But nevertheless, we do know who our hope is in. And we do know where our help comes from. So, yes. And as always, before beginning, I'd like to start by giving all honor, all praises, all glory to Father God Almighty, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, because without them, I am nothing. We are nothing. But because of Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, including this podcast, as well as this podcast episode. Once again, real quickly, I'd like to take some time out to say thank you to each and every one of you who have listened to the episode, whether that's by hitting download or simply just hitting the play button. I'd just like to take this time out to say thank you to each and every single one of you. I do hope and pray that you were able to get something out of each and every single episode. Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. My goodness, where is the time going? It is waiting on no man. My goodness, just yesterday was January 1st, but here we are. It's almost time. For January 1st, once again, 2024, may God help us to live, to be able to enter into that year and to complete it in the name of Jesus. Time is truly moving very, very, very rapidly. Um, clearly, you know, we are starting to see a lot of things that the book of Revelation has spoken about. And yeah, we are, we are really seeing a lot of things. Even um, stuff that has been spoken in Matthew 24 
you know, with lots of people falling away and yeah. So we know that this, these are the signs of times, you know, Christ is coming. He's coming. Whether we believe it or not, he is coming. The key is, are we going to be ready? It's important that we be ready and that we be like the five wise virgins instead of the five foolish virgins. So yes, once again, today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. And where I am at, the temperature is currently 44 degrees. And the time now is currently 10.35 p.m. So clearly, you know, I will not be going to bed until November 3rd. Because if I'm recording at this hour and I'm going to edit and upload, yeah, it's going to take me a couple of hours. So yeah. I am currently sipping, or actually I was currently sipping on a cup of coffee just so I could stay awake because I was a bit tired and I really needed to get this episode done. So I was sipping on some coffee. I did not finish the cup, but I drank enough and I'm currently now nursing a bottle of water. So that's what's in my cup. I hope that you were able to catch my last episode, which was entitled or which is entitled the crafty Harlot, beware. Unfortunately, we are in a time where the enemy is using a lot of today's modern women to steal many of today's modern and biblically unlearned and unsaved men to steal their destinies and to bring down their heads before their time and so are a lot of modern men so that's why it's important we really need to stay close to the Lord and you know really keep our heads in that word and really read that word and and, and dissect it and like really dive into it and, 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 and hide it in our hearts like David said you know hopefully make it a lamp unto our feet because we are truly living in some times. Wow. Sometimes that's all you can say. Wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, today's episode is going to be a character study. The name and title of today's episode is Yohav or Joab. Valiant, mighty, and fierce warrior. General of King David's army. This episode is based on a study that I recently did on the life of Joab. So sit back, relax, grab yourself your favorite hot or ice cold beverage and join me back here in a few and we'll get started. So see you then. Are you looking to spice up your quiet time Bible time with the Lord? Well, guess what? I might just have the right thing to help you. There is nothing better than being able to spend quality and intimate time 
with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and in His Word. For many of us, this may look different from day to day. Check out my 20-piece digital quiet time Bible study bundle. It comes with six topical scripture writing plans to encourage and uplift you as well as to help you get into the Word of God. So if you're ready to dig deeper or simply ready to give your Bible study a boost, check out my 20-piece quiet time Bible study bundle and other digital Bible study resources at Jahira Print Shop. The link will be featured in the description box. And as always, I'd like to take the time out to say thank you to each and every one of you. I do hope and pray that you will be blessed. are listening to the Words of Encouragement podcast with yours truly, Arlena. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you were able to grab something either hot or cold to drink, depending on which part of the world you're at, depending on your temperature. Once again, the name and title of today's episode is Yoaf, or as we would say in English, Joab. Valiant, mighty, and fierce warrior, general of King David's army. And once again, this is episode number 137. The key verse that I will be using for today's episode is going to be 2 Samuel 20, verses 23. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, And Joab was over all the army of Israel. So let's get started. Name. In English, Joab. Hebrew, Yoath, which means Jehovah fathered or Jehovah is his father. His heritage, according to sources, he was a Judaite, descendant of Kenaz, or Kenaz, K-E-N-A-Z, which was a post-exilic family. And of course, I had to look up what Kenaz or Kenaz meant. And the meaning of it means hunters. I guess he came from a long line of hunters. His parents were Zuriah and Sariah. So Zuriah was his mother and Sariah was his father. Hmm, interesting. I remember the first time I heard the name Sariah. I was living in California. And I always said if I had a a child, if it was a girl, I was going to name it Sariah. Because... The first person I heard with that name 
it was a girl. And I was like, wow, that's a unique name. Where did you get that from? And I remember telling me, her telling me the Bible. So here's the name, but actually it's a man's name. Or that, that was the name of Joab's father. But either way, I think it was a beautiful name. Joab had two siblings. One by the name of Avishai or Abishai. And the other one was Asael, Asael, or Ashael. Abishai being the eldest, Joab, the middle child, and Asael, the youngest. Both Abishai and Asael both were also military leaders in King David's army. Joab's position was commander-in-chief of David's army. He died in 970 BC. He is buried on his own property, probably somewhere in northeast of Jerusalem, according to Eastern Dictionary. His name is mentioned in the Bible at least the King James Bible, 145 times. Joab was not just the commander of David's army. He was also King David's nephew, along with both of his brothers, Abishai and Asael. He was the second eldest son of Zariah's, who was also one of David's sisters. Now, according to Flavius Josephus, his father's name was Suri. Joab had two brothers who were also part of King David's army. The eldest one being Abishai, along with Ashael being the youngest of the three brothers, were all part of King David's army. And of course, Asael was killed in combat by Abner, the son of Ner, or Ner, the commander-in-chief of King Saul's army, who would also later go on to play an extremely important part in David's life. And of course, Joab took revenge on Abner for killing his youngest brother. In self-defense, of course. And of course, all of this was against David's wishes, especially after both David and Abner had come to a place of peace between the house of David as well as the house of Saul. And if you want to read more on that story, you can read that in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 13 to 2 Samuel chapter 3 to 21 plus verse 27. Now, according to Josephus' account, which for some reason is a little different from what it says in 2 Samuel verses 3, verse 27, chapter 3, verse 27, excuse me, which reads, Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately, and there stabbed him, in the stomach 
so that he died for the blood of his brother Asael. Now, according to Josephus' account, Joab had forgiven Abner for his brother's death because it was done honorably in combat. The truth is, it was in self-defense. Abner did not want to kill Joab's brother. But of course, Asael continued to pursue him. So Abner had no choice but to protect himself. But once again, according to Josephus, Joab, the real reason that Joab actually killed Abner was because he saw him as a potential threat to his position as commander-in-chief of David's army after Abner had switched over to David's side, which of course gave David control over the tribe of Benjamin. Now, after Joab led the assault on the fortress of Mount Zion, David made him captain of his army. Joab led the army against Aram, Ammon, Moab, and of course, Edom. He also colluded with David in the death of Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's first husband, by putting him to the forefront of the battle and withdrawing from him so that Uriah was left without protection where he was struck and killed, just as David had instructed him to do, killing an innocent man to cover up for David's transgression with Bathsheba. In reality, that was King David. But of course, Joab also had a hand in it by doing what King David requested. He knew that by doing that, of course, you know, Uriah would end up being struck because he wasn't the strongest. Where, where they positioned him was not the place where he was strong enough to fight and especially make it worse if Joab was to place him there and then to withdraw from him. But yeah, of course, I'm sure you know the whole story. Indeed, Uriah did end up dying, and of course, David ended up taking his wife. But this is not about David, even though you know, I love me some King David. But yeah, today this is not about David. Even though he's going to be mentioned in here, this is actually about Joab. So yeah, so let's continue. Joab also played a major role as the commander and chief of David's army during the rebellion of David's son, Absalom. And although Absalom's rebellion caused David a lot of stress, and not to mention grief, David still could not bring himself, he couldn't find it in his heart, to kill his son, to have his son killed. But instead of listening to the king's orders, Joab went ahead and killed Absalom. And when King David heard the news of his son's death, the Bible tells us that he was extremely grieved 
You know, David had a heart. He really did. In 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 4, this is what it says. Everything that I'm reading is going to be coming from the New King James Version. This is what it reads. But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice. Oh, my son Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Joab then confronted the king and admonished him, which can be found also in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 5. And this is what Joab said to King David. He says, Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines and that you love your enemies and hate your friends. He said, for you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. Now, therefore, arise, go out and speak comfort to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. The Bible tells us, then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king. And David followed his nephew's advice, and he made a public appearance to strengthen and encourage his troops. And for more on that story, you can read it in Second Samuel chapter 19, starting from verse 1 to verse 8. And I definitely have to agree with Joab. You know, um, yesterday I remember as I was walking home, I was asking myself, I'm like, did Joab do the right thing by killing Absalom? I'm just going to be honest. I can't say whether he did the right thing or not because he did disobey the king's orders. But then again, he obeyed them when he told him to put Uriah to the front line, killing an innocent man. So if he obeyed by putting Uriah to the front line where Uriah ended up losing his life, an innocent man, this is just my opinion. No, I don't think he was wrong. He might have been wrong with Uriah, but not with Absalom. I'm sorry, because had Absalom lived, Lord, that boy was wreaking a havoc. I mean, he was pretty, but he was nice looking because the Bible describes him as such. And he was extremely vain, but he was very vicious. He was very deadly. And he did so much that King David had to run for his life. So I do have to agree with Joab. Had he lived, he would have wiped them all out, including King David, his sons, his daughters, his wives, his concubines, 
and probably if he could, Joab, if he could, or probably Joab might have switched to his side, who knows, but he would have, he would have definitely, um, do some serious damage, so yeah, and of course, after this incident, David would go on to later replace Joab as commander-in-chief of his army, and of course, David replaced him with Amasa, who was also another nephew of David's, as well as the first cousin of Joab, Abishai, and Asael as the new commander and chief of his army. Now, all four of these men were sons of David's sisters, Zuriah and Abigail, of course, being the mother of Amasa. And Zuriah was the mother of Joab, Abishai, and Asael. Joab was an extremely valiant warrior, but he was also fierce and would stop at no means to get what he thought was best for him. And of course, just like Abner, he ended up killing his cousin Amasa. Just like he killed Abner, he ended up later on killing his cousin Amasa. He killed Abner because he thought Abner would posed a threat to his position. And now here he here was his first cousin who had been replaced by the very same position that he killed Abner thinking that maybe David would have placed Abner in his position. So here he goes once again shedding blood. And to read more on this story, it can be found in 2 Samuel Chapter 20, verses 8, starting from verse 8 to verse 13. You can also find it in 1 Kings, chapter 2, verses 5. At a point in time, Joab was once extremely close with his uncle King David. But he began to question the king's judgment. And you can read more about this in 2 Samuel, chapter 24, starting from verse 2. To verse 4. I'm also going to leave a lot of these um, scriptures or scripture references in the description box just in case if you care to go back and you know read or look them up for yourself. Now as King David was coming to the end of his reign as well as the end of his time here on earth Joab decided to betray David by joining forces with his then eldest living son at the time, which was none other than Adonijah or Adonijah, who decided to set himself up as king of Israel while his father David was very much still alive. Neither God nor David had selected or appointed Adonijah or Adonijah, however you want to pronounce it, as David's successor or the new king of Israel. But he went ahead and he set himself up. Kind of reminds me of Absalom. Instead of standing and continuing to be loyal to David, Joab decided to play the field by switching sides to join the 
illegitimately self-crowned King Adonijah. Unlike King David, Joab never saw anything wrong with anything that he did, including killing Abner during a time of peace. Killing Absalom against the king's wishes, and of course also later on going on to kill his cousin, Amasa, for being his replacement. Now, despite David's mishaps and wrongs, when David was confronted by the prophet Nathan concerning his actions with Bathsheba, as well as the death of her husband Uriah, David truly felt remorseful for his actions. He really did. He truly felt remorse. And he truly and, he truly and sincerely repented. Hence, giving us Psalm 51. But nowhere in the Bible do I read, and his name I think they said was mentioned 145 times, and that's the King James Version. Depending on what other version, it's probably going to say 10 times. But the King James Version is where it's going to be straight. His name has been mentioned 145 times. But yet, I am yet to read any one of those verses where his name is featured saying that he ever repented of anything that he did. He just kept doing more and more and more. And that's the difference between him and King David. And as we go on, nowhere in the Bible do I read that he had a relationship with the living God, which was the God of Israel. I don't read it, even though his name means fathered by God. But I, I, I didn't see anything in there anywhere. Yes, okay, in the Bible I saw, you know, the, the same movie where, of course, we see King David with Goliath. Then, of course, King David um, murdering a man, basically, uh, you know, putting a hit out on him in order to take his... We see all that. But then we also see a man who came to repentance. But all I saw is Joab shedding more and more and more blood, but never seeing no form of repentance or any cry out to God. Maybe I missed it, but I didn't see it. And I could have missed it. But anyway, I didn't see it. So that tells me a lot about his character. It tells me a whole lot. And like I said, after all, his name in Hebrew meant Jehovah Father. Jehovah is his father. And you would think that Joab would have at least considered a lot of his actions before he did them or even after he had done them, but not once and never can I recall. Well, okay, maybe once and a little something, but other than that, I've never read or seen anything where he calls out to the Lord or, or, or anything. I, I just don't. Now, although both of these men were related 
And they were both fierce and valiant warriors. Because let me tell you, David was no joke. Ooh, let me tell you. Hmm. David was a fierce warrior. He was fierce and swift when it came to battle. I don't think there was ever a king before him. Okay, maybe, well, not of Israel. I can't, I can't think of any. Well, he, yeah, no, because Saul was the first king and we know he was a coward. And um, David replaced Saul. So yeah, there was none before him. Now after him, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I ain't too sure. But I know there was none before him. And probably not quite after him, including his own son, King Solomon. David was also a skilled and brilliant warrior. I think the only king that would be greater or more valiant than King David was, dead or alive, would be none other than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, none other than Jesus Christ himself. But seriously speaking, he was valiant. He was fierce. David, he, he knew how to fight wars. He, listen, he knew. I think there's a scripture somewhere that says, um, God teaches his hands how to war. I can't remember. I'm just kind of like paraphrasing it. But he, listen, he knew what to do. I mean, as a young boy, he, when everyone was cowering, including the king, the, the king of Israel, then who was King Saul, David took five smooth stones in a sling and with just one rock he shot it and it went it penetrated straight into Goliath's head and then he took his sword and just cut his head clean off you uncircumcised Philistine when everyone was hiding this little boy was defending his God how dare you talk about my God like that oh yeah how dare you he was fierce. And I remember when Saul was trying to give him all that gear to put on him. He's like, mm -mm. no, this ain't feel, this ain't feel right. The same God who was with him, who helped him to kill the lion and the bear was the very same God that helped him to kill Goliath, to slay Goliath, as well as all the enemies that he fought against during his days when he was still active in war as king. Of course, when he got older, he no longer go in the battlefield. But he was brilliant when it came to war. He was skilled, and he knew also how to choose some of the best men. He really did. I said I wasn't going to make it about David, but then, yeah, it ended up a little bit sliding in there, but yeah. God was with David. And despite David's shortcomings, David truly loved his God. And that's one of the things that I love about David. My God. Ooh, that man, he loved his God. Joseph loved his God. So did Abraham. So did Daniel. So did Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and a lot of them, Mordecai. But honey... 
no one loved God the way King David did except for Jesus Christ. My God. Oh, he loved God. The way he loved his God. I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, that that's the thing that makes King David is he stands up to me above. Oh, excuse me. He stands above all the kings except of course to the king of kings and the lord of lords but yeah and despite his shortcomings he still loved the lord but we do not see this we don't see any of this and none of joab's actions that he ever felt the same way towards the god of israel i'm sure he loved him in his way but he sure never showed it. So you see, there is a stark difference between both of these men. Both of these men were related. Okay? David the uncle, Joab the nephew. David the king of Israel, Joab the commander-in-chief of the army of Israel, which was King David's army at that time. Both skilled, fierce, and valiant warriors, some of the greatest of all time. But yet, when it came to God, they were two different people. And like I said before, despite all of David's shortcomings and his wrongs that he committed, he repented. And not only that, David was a man. God himself said it. They, God said that David was a man that was after his own heart. His meaning his as in God's heart. Whereas Joab was a man after his own heart. And when Joab went over to Adonijah or Adonijah's side, it clearly tells you which side he was truly on. I mean, if we didn't quite know before that, at that point, I'm sure you had a, a clear idea of exactly which side he was on spiritually. And it definitely was not on God's side. Because God had not selected Adonijah as king. And neither did David. So the fact that Joab decided to betray King David by joining along with this egregious act of joining this self-proclaimed king, which was not chosen by God, it tells you a whole lot. A whole lot. God nor David had chosen Adonijah. Instead, God had chosen David and Bathsheba's son, Solomon, to be his successor when that time came. Solomon was to be the next king of Israel as well. Solomon was also to be the one to build God's temple. Now, before his death, David gave his son Solomon's specific instructions concerning a few people. Well, actually three people. One being Joab, 
the other being Shimei, the Benjamite who cursed him. And of course, also the sons of Barzillai, Barzillia, or excuse me, I can't pronounce some of these names. Please forgive me. Barzillai, I think it is, the Giladite's sons. And basically, when David was gone and Solomon had taken the throne, he was to deal with Shimei, Shimei, the Benjamite, who cursed David, who cursed his father. And even then, Solomon still gave Shimei some grace, as well as his brother Adonijah. He still gave them grace. And even with the grace, they still messed up. Like they say, a leper can't, you know, don't change his, its spots. So let's just consider they were leopards. And now concerning the sons of Barzillai, Solomon was to allow them to eat at his table. And that reminds me of when King David first took the throne after the death of King Saul. He was like, is there anybody from the house of Saul that I can bless? And they told him, yes, there's one. And that was Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And David sent for him and gave him a place at his table all the days of his life that he would sit there and eat. And that's exactly what David did. And he was telling Solomon to extend that same grace to Barzillia's sons. And for more on that story, you can read it in 1 Kings verses 2. So now let's continue. David's instructions for Joab were as follows. And this is what it says. And of course, this is taken from 1 Kings chapter 2 verses I think, 5 and 6. Once again, reading from the New King James Version. David says here, Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and also to Amasa, the son Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his hair, his gray hair, go down to the grave in peace. And of course, Solomon fulfilled his father's request by bringing down Joab's gray head, not in peace, but rather in blood, by the hand of none other than Benaniah, who later became the commander and chief 
of Solomon's army. And for more on the death of Joab, you can read it for yourself in 1 Kings 2 verses 29 to 34. Now here's a few more little facts about Joab. Joab, unlike David, as I've said before, was not a man after God's own heart. He was a man after his own heart. He was extremely opportunistic. He was valiant, but acted cowardly by killing innocent people and switching sides. He was once loyal, but later he became extremely disloyal. He started out good, but yet he did not end well. He was faithful until it best suited him. Joab is also listed as one of King David's elite men. And indeed he was, despite his shortcomings. Also, he did not really approve of King David's request for a census. Now, according to sources, in biblical times, taking a census was considered sinful because it displayed a lack of trust in God's provision. And Joab knew this. The same way he also knew that by listening to King David and placing Uriah at the hottest part of the battlefield and withdrawing would also cost him his life, but he still went along with the plot anyway. So he knew when certain things benefited him, he, he did certain things right when it benefited him. And in other times, he just didn't care. And of course, he had no problem disobeying God's law when it best suited him, even to the point of murder. Now, according to True Christian Magazine, Joab hated David's lack of trust in God. Wow. Hmm. But the truth is, David did trust God, but he, he did mess up with the census. But imagine Joab hating David's lack of trust in God, even though we, we knew prior to that that David always relied on God, but yet he fell short maybe at this moment. He did, because he was still human. But what about all the times when he was trusting God? Joab seemed to forgot, have you know forgotten that. He hated that, but yet this very same Joab, nowhere in the Bible or anywhere else have I seen it where he trusted God. Did he trust God when he killed Abner? No, he was insecure. He was afraid that his position was going to be taken from him. He killed Abner. And when he was replaced because he disobeyed the king's orders, what did he do? Did he trust God? No. He killed his cousin Amasa. When David was nearing the end of his life and Solomon was the one to succeed him, did he trust God and stay on that side with King David? Or did he go to the other side and stood with 
self-proclaimed king, Adonijah or Adonijah. So you see, he did things when it benefited him. Joab is also one of the most complex characters in the Bible. And last but not least, despite everything, God did use Joab for a lot of good. And that is the truth. And that's the thing that is so sad. Whether you loved or you loathed Joab, one thing that can definitely be said about him is he was a valiant and fierce warrior slash commander. He truly was. He was the kind of man, you know, you know, prior to the betrayal and all of that, he was truly the kind of man you wanted on your team. Providing he didn't switch sides and he wasn't so murderous. David, at that time, when he chose him as commander, he truly could not have chosen a better man at that time. Of course, later on, Joab changed, like many people. However, somewhere along the way, Joab lost his way like so many of us at times. You know, maybe not necessarily to the, you know, the degree that he did, but I think you know exactly what I'm trying to say. There's a saying out there. It is not how you start this race. It is how we finish the race. Well, the same thing applies to us when it comes to this walk. As we walk towards the finish line of faith. It is not how well we started or where we are right now. What is truly going to matter most is where we are at when we have reached the end of this race called life. Will it end with us being on the broad road of destruction or the narrow path called eternal life that leads to heaven? Joab was truly of God. Somewhere along the way, he lost his way. Joab, along with King David and Benaniah, are some of the Bible's most valiant warriors and commanders of Israel. And I would be lying if I did not say that it truly hurt to see that such a man of potential as Joab ended the way he did. He had too much potential to end the way he did, but he made his choice. Had he only been on God's path, he would have been an amazing servant, just as King David was, as well as Benaniah. He would have finished that race well, but unfortunately, I guess 
I, I'm not, I'm not sure where he went. Um, but I do know, um, his head definitely went down in blood. Now, did he ever repent? Only God in heaven knows the answer to that question. I don't know. Um, I really don't know, but this is like another story of, you know, like Samson, great potential called by God, definitely, but they just end differently. You know, they just stray like many of us do, you know, and it's really sad, but I think, you know, we can learn a lot from, from Joab, even Samson. And many others in the Bible. You know, so there we have it. You know, we have come to the end of the life and character of none other than Mr. Yohav or Joab, the commander-in-chief of King David's army. I hope and pray that you were able to get something from this episode. And if there's anything that I myself can say that I learned and that I got out of it, while doing this character study on Joab, I can truly say that, you know, it is extremely important that I continue to remain on the side of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, there is no position, money, title, etc. that is worth me finishing my race the way Joab did. No, no, no. I'm sorry, but no. Hell is too hot. Well, lake of fire, whatever, is too hot. Uh-uh. You know, um... And it truly made me realize that not only do I need the Lord each and every single day, but each and every step of my life, you know, and it it is extremely important, you know, that we realize we are nothing without him. You know, we are nothing without Christ. You know, let us all, including my very own self, remain vigilant that the enemy does not pluck us out of God's hand. By making us to switch sides to join the enemy's army. Let us remain steadfast in the hand of the living God. Because we are part of the Lord's army. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Please help us to examine ourselves daily to make sure that there is nothing in us that might resemble the spirit of Joab. We also pray that you continue to strengthen each and every one of us and help us so that we do not leave your army to join the enemy's army against your children who are part of your army. In Jesus name, amen. So now it is time for the quote of the episode. And this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quote. And it reads, The only way to know strong faith is to endure great trials. I'm going to say it one more time. The only way to know strong faith is to endure great trials. And of course, that quote was taken from 
nowhere else than one of my all-time favorite devotionals, Streams in the Desert. I love Streams in the Desert. Oh, it's so beautiful. There's always, uh, oh my goodness, there's always such beautiful, rich nuggets of faith in that devotional. It's one of the greatest devotionals of all time. Along with night, I think it, what is it? Night and day or evening and night or something like that by Charles Spurgeon. As well as my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. Um, they are three of the best all-time classical devotional. And now you go out there in the market, you find all kinds of devotional. Big Bird got a devotional. Er, everybody writing a devotional. But nothing beats those classic ones from way back when, seriously speaking. So, yeah, and, you know, like it said, the only way to know strong faith is to endure great trials. And God knows that's how my faith grew. And, you know, we look around in the world today, you see people, the slightest thing they can't handle. They can't, they just go off, kill people, kill others, angry all day. Um, they're up today, down tomorrow. But, you know, when you are anchored in the Lord or when you've been through some stuff and you see God, you know you would have never escaped or come through unless, if it were not for God, you know exactly where your help comes from. And you know that no matter what you might be going through, God is able. God is able. And like I tell my, I, when I'm talk, I talk to the lesson, listen, God, I am not serving no dead God. I'm like, Father, my God is not made from wood nor stone. And I'm like, Lord, I don't carry my God. My God carries me. I remind him. So I just hope that that can be an encouragement you know, to someone. So yes. So finally, now we have arrived at the complete end of this episode. And once again, I'd like to take the time out to say thank each and every one of you. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for sticking with me and making it this far and for joining me on another episode, or if it's your first time of the words of encouragement podcast, I pray that this episode of this podcast has been a blessing to you. And indeed, if this episode or this podcast has been a blessing to you, please feel free to share it with others. Remember, the gospel is free. We do pay. We do pay to do what we do. But it's free to you. Help somebody by sharing it with someone. Spread the gospel. God tells us to spread the gospel. Remember, Jesus is coming. It's important that we we, we, we wake up and do whatever little we can do as far as God's kingdom is concerned. So yeah, and once again, please feel free to subscribe to the Words of Encouragement podcast on iTunes.com, Spreaker.com, Podomatic.com. It can also be found on Google Podcasts, CastBox, Player FM, Podacy, Podtail, Deezer, everywhere that podcast can be heard. You can also feel free to share, like, or subscribe on either one of the above-mentioned platforms. 
Also, please feel free to check out my other podcast, which is entitled The Nuggets of Thankfulness Podcast, which is a devotional audio podcast, which is also featured on Spreaker.com. Well, actually, it's not quite on Spreaker anymore. The full catalog is actually featured on Podomatic.com. It can also be found on iTunes.com, Google Play, Podacy, Podtail, Deezer, Spotify, Player FM, everywhere that podcasts can be heard. I also look forward to being with you on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. I have another episode coming up. I think actually another, is it another two? And boy, they're going to be some eye-opening um, episodes. If you are into truly the Word of God, and you're into like also the a lot of the Bible history and you know how a lot of the saints lived and they endured back in those days and you know the persecution that we face today is unless you live in the Middle East now that's a different story um the persecution that many of them face was serious business and you can also check out my episode that is entitled Blandina Martyrs of Lion. Um, I think that was the, yeah, I think it was the one before the crafty harlot. Um, it's an amazing story of this young lady who gave her life along with others for her faith. She died one of the most brutal and harshest deaths as a woman or to men in general. But yet she refused to deny her faith in Jesus Christ. And we are living in some serious times where the church is in serious trouble. The churches are like concert halls. A lot of people have a watered down version of what the true gospel is. And the truth is when things really start to heat up, because it is heating up, you can see it happening each day. You could just look around and see so many things are just slowly starting, not even slowly at this point, quickly starting to fall into place. Just like the book of revelation has spoken of Daniel, the book of Daniel, um, Matthew 24 and, and, and go on. And the touch somebody movement gospel or sugar-coated gospel and motivational speaking so-called gospel is not going to help you. You think if Blandina had those types of gospel, she wouldn't have been able to stand compared to what she had to go through. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a strong girl, but Lord Jesus, I'm like, I don't know if I'm as strong as Blandina, but either way, I'm going to have to be. Because, yeah, I ain't trying to switch no sides. So each day I try to keep my head in that word. And, you know, to strengthen myself, strengthen my faith, as well as to continue to cultivate and grow my relationship with the Lord. At this point of my life, all I care about is Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the Word. I'm just being real. I ain't looking for no riches. I ain't trying to chase no career like I was back in the day. Mm -mm. At this point, I'm just trying to chase 
Jesus. Yes, at this point in my life, the word is becoming sweeter and sweeter. Like sometimes I tell the Lord, I said, Father, I ain't ready to go yet. I said, this Bible getting real sweet. I'm like, Lord, I'm enjoying this Bible. I'm like, I need to finish reading the rec, you know, getting down a little deeper and more of this Bible. Because I'm like, by the time I get to you, hopefully if I make it to you, if I run this race well, I want when I appear in front of you, like, oh my God, that I could say, ooh, you are just like what the Bible said. At least the King James Version. <laughs> like, oh my, I want to know my God. I do. I don't want to leave from here and then I appear. Maybe I just slid into heaven. You know, by the, I just slid in, you know, like when you're sliding on ice. And then, I, you know, I appear there and I, oh, okay. I want to know, you know, I, I want to read. I want to learn. I want to grow. But that's just me. But, you know, if you like the real word and you want to learn a little more about some Christian history and how many of our brothers and sisters who are no longer here with us, who've been here long before us, how they stood the test of time and did not deny their God, Jesus, or their faith, then stick around because I got some stuff coming. So yes, on that note, I think I've said enough. Remember, as long as there is life, it is never too late to accept Christ. But remember, don't wait until it's too late. Be blessed, and I will see you in the next episode, or better yet, you'll hear from me in the next episode. Peace, and please be safe. God bless.